Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. Welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Says Podcast. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams. And joining me today, we have my two usual co-hosts. First off, Kyle Henning. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, it's Red Friday. Uh, we got some good news and we got some eh, news about, about some injury-related stuff. So yeah, there's that. Uh, ready for Sunday night. Uh, it's going to be a long two days of football leading up to that portion of the program. But Excited to talk about uh, the rest of the Steelers preview and get into it. So, Heck yeah. And then also joining us, of course, Arrowhead Tom. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad. I, uh, I'm extraordinarily tired. It's been a very busy uh, work week. And I had the realization earlier today that uh, I am, you know, we're dealing with a staff shortage at work. For those of you who don't know, I, I manage a homeless shelter. And I realize I have to work Sunday night, so... I've already got the plan in my head that if I don't get that shift covered, I'm bringing in a TV and I'm going to watch the playoff game with a bunch of my homeless friends. Yeah. And uh, you know what? We're going to make the best of it. So now, yeah, Kyle mentioned that. And so now I'm thinking about uh, my Sunday evening plans to watch the Chiefs beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. Hey, that might, not, way, be a, might not be a bad plan. Yeah, got, definitely got to find a way. And uh, also here to join us for this episode, very special guest here. He's the managing editor for the Chiefs Wire, part of USA Today, Charles Goldman. Charles, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. We, uh, we're all big fans of your work, big fans of everything that you do over there at the Chiefs Wire, and uh, we're excited to talk some, uh, some playoff football with you because, uh, you know, it's that time of year where finally the, uh, the football is pretty much meaningful, you know. We, uh, we lead, you know, 16, 17 weeks throughout the whole season just to get to here, and, uh, you know, the Chiefs are obviously very familiar with the playoffs the past couple years, and this is actually the first time, though, that we'll be experiencing a, a wild card round under Patrick Mahomes, um, so that's a, a little... A little interesting bit to that, except uh, we're playing the Steelers, so it's uh, not exactly a, a tough matchup. But it, isn't that fun, though? I mean, Patrick Mahomes has played more Super Bowls than he's played wild card games. That just yeah. blows my mind. It's very <laughs> interesting. It's how how successful this team's been during the regular season that uh, reflects that into the playoffs, having the the buys the past couple of weeks. But um, not this not this year, unfortunately. We lost out barely to it. Uh, because of you know the Bengals loss which uh, we don't have to get into because very sour subject but uh, yeah Steelers preview here uh, obviously today there's a couple uh, bits of chief news that came out um, biggest one I'd probably say would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire being declared out for the game um, he was dealing with a, a shoulder injury I believe uh, that was uh, sidelined him so uh, you know the Stop running back the last Steelers game 
Yeah, exactly. He's been out for a couple weeks now, and uh, you know we've seen the running back room uh, do pretty well in his absence. But Charles, I'm curious to, in your opinion, uh, how do you see the running game shaping out versus the the Steelers on Sunday? Because uh, obviously, no Clyde once again. We'll have Daryl and uh, and Derek Gore and Jarek McKinnon and all those guys. So how do you really see the the carries being divvied up? Well, I, I wonder about Daryl Williams, right? Because he's not a given. Yeah. He's questionable. He was limited. Uh, basically, I believe all week with uh, his toe injury there. And in my humble opinion, uh, a toe injury is probably like the second worst, maybe even the worst thing for a running back next to like an ankle. I mean, that, that can't feel very good when, you know, you have to take like a hard cut or, you know, try to make someone miss and plant that toe into the ground if it doesn't feel right. So, um, and, and, you know, since he's not a given to play, I, I mean, I, I think this week, I think the way the Chiefs kind of approached it today was telling. They let off their media availability today by making uh, Jarek McKinnon available to speak. So I, I think we're going to get a healthy dose of Jarek McKinnon um, no matter what. It, it will either end up with, uh, you know, a, a little bit of Daryl Williams and, and a majority of Jarek or a lot of Jarek and, and a little bit of Derek Gore mixed in there. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's going to be the one. If someone's going to have to emerge and step up and, and make their presence felt this week, I think it's going to be Jarek. Uh, obviously, he's had a ton of success in his career. Um, he's with the Vikings, had the injury trouble with the 49ers, then comes to KC. And uh, one thing I found interesting about what he said today, too, is that um, – even beyond the injury that he dealt with, I think it was a hamstring that he was dealing with. He, he felt like, you know, after spending as much time as he did playing this season with the two years prior with the 49ers, not playing much because of injury, he felt like his body kind of needed this break. So he goes on IR for a couple of weeks and now he comes back and he's fresh. And I felt before he went on injured reserve that he was kind of on the cusp of a bit of a breakout with Kansas city. Cause he hadn't really done much in terms of uh, offensive production. Uh, I think he's clearly one of the best passing backs that, that we have. And Patrick Mahomes looks more comfortable now than maybe he ever has in his career, throwing the ball to running backs. So um, I, I think only when we had, you know, Kareem hunt, you know, running the, the wheel routes and stuff. That was probably his best time throwing, throwing the ball to running backs. But, but now he looks really comfortable doing it. At least he did last week with the, with Jarek McKinnon. I was going to ask you how much of the adjustment from before he went on IR to the chiefs seeming to adapt more to the involving the running backs in the passing game adjustments that they made, even with Clyde and Daryl and, and Derek Gore, not as much as the other two, but, that adjustment really fits, seems to fit into what Jarek McKinnon really can do for you in that aspect. Not only is he incredibly good in the, in the route running, he, you can put him out wide even if you need to and get a matchup that way, but his pass blocking is probably one of the more underrated, untalked about things and something that he does at a really, really high level and how that kind of has propelled him to with that trust level with the, with the offense with Andy. Yeah, definitely a, a shift in the in the philosophy of the past couple of weeks. Getting Jarek McKinnon back is a huge boost to that offense. Just really the veteran experience, I think, is is one of the bigger factors, too. I mean, we have a lot of young guys in the running back room. Obviously, Darrell Williams is a four-year guy, but he's been here the whole time. So, yeah, just to get that added experience and, and bonus is uh, 
Um, so, uh, other news, Chiefs news. Obviously, Daryl Williams is uh, was questionable, and everyone else on the injury report uh, was pretty good. Tyreek was limited on Thursday. Um, but, Charles, do you think there's any other injuries that we should potentially look out for? Uh, maybe day of the game might pop up or something like that? Unless something crazy happens, like it has the past two yeah, weeks. Yeah, like Orlando these, Brown. These pregame injuries. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of fluky. I don't think anything like that would happen again. I mean, three in a row, you'd have to it, – it'd be pretty rare. Um, so I, I I don't think there's going to be anything that'll that'll necessarily pop up. Um, with Tyreek, from what I understand, they kind of wanted to see that first day of practice, how it would respond to a full – how his heel would respond to, like, a full practice. And then for, from there, it was basically like, okay, we'll, we'll give him a, a limited day, an easy day in the middle of the week, make sure that he's good to go. But um, – and, and kind of with that, it, in, uh, in week 18, you know, one of the reasons that – that he didn't really get a lot of snaps because from my understanding, this is an injury that, that he's dealt with before. And it's like as simple as him, like getting a shot or some treatment or massaging it out or whatever. And since they were like on the road um, and it happened so like close to kickoff, they really couldn't implement whatever strategy they usually do to ensure that he's good to go. So I think that that this week they'll have a better plan in place to to ensure that he can be out there and be out there for the the majority of the game. This is a more, so that's more of a pain management injury than it is a anything else type of injury or or right right. It's more of a discomfort type of thing than than anything else. Well, right on. So before you were able to join us today you broke some other news um looked like the chiefs have brought back uh darwin thompson to the practice squad who was recently released by tampa i think earlier this week right yeah i think it just happened a day or so ago uh they they had um brought in john brown a former receiver for a couple different teams because they have some some injuries at the receiver position so they had brought him in and signed him to the practice squad and released darwin and really, Kansas City had always wanted to bring Thompson back when when they waived him uh, at the onset of the season. That was always the plan. But he felt he had a better opportunity uh, and better chance to make an impact over with Tampa Bay. So that's where he ended up. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I felt that, uh, that this was kind of a, a telling sign um, of how they feel about what's going on with the, the running back injuries right now <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, that, that, you know, potentially they are going to need some bodies just, just have, just to have guys available during the playoffs. Um, they're hopeful that, that Daryl Williams can play, but like I said earlier, it's not a sure bet right now. Um, and, you know, with, with toe injuries uh, in general, it's just never kind of a sure bet. Um yeah. Things are, are pretty painful for, for all NFL players, but mm-hmm. as I said, especially running backs. So uh, I think I think it's a smart move. Uh, he obviously knows the system. He had been here two years prior. Uh, he's a guy who can kind of jump right in and, and have some chemistry. Um, it's just a matter of how quickly is he going to be able to get that chemistry and trust back working with the, with the team and uh, I, I think we'll, we'll probably find that out pretty quickly. I, I don't know if it'll happen this week, but should the Chiefs advance and if there are any more injuries or ticky-tacky things that pop up, 
uh, he could see himself called up and, and playing some snaps. Yeah, so that familiarity is pretty crucial, I think, for the offense. And then just to reiterate what's already been said, toe injuries are not fun. Um, so when I was in uh, a freshman in college, I actually like had tur- what's you know turf toe or like a, a little micro fracture in my toe, and and I am not a uh, NFL athlete, but just like walking, just walking on it normally, um, I refractured it two or three times over the course of a year. And so that's kind of the problem with with toe injuries is they're so hard to like it's a lot of pain and discomfort that throws off your balance, but it's also very easy to re-injure them just by you know going back if you you go a day or two too early and and you cut wrong on it or or even um, you just plant your foot wrong it's very easy to um, you know re reaggravate that so it, you know hopefully Daryl is rested and it's not a situation that lingers too much in the playoffs. It might, it it might be a pain management thing, but that, yeah, those, you know, feet are pretty important for your running back. So you want to get the, give him the opportunity to get those healed up. And um, yeah, it's pretty kind of fortunate for the chiefs that Darwin was available at this, at this time too. Yeah. That familiarity, huge, huge play. Yeah. We saw, we saw Najee practice today, finally after DNPs most of the week. Um, and I saw that I think it was Rappaport put out that uh, Juju is likely to play mm-hmm. Sunday, which is a bit of a surprise to me based on what that injury was and the amount of football that he's missed. Um, just kind of on that, and and I don't know, I didn't see an update on Turner who showed up on the injury report yesterday with the knee all of a sudden. Um, with those three injuries, what is that? Where, where are you kind of at with? with what that means for Pittsburgh and can Juju even be a, a factor really in this game with all that time missed and with all those things happening? I, I think that, that all the receivers are, are probably going to be a factor for uh, the Steelers this week. I mean, I think you, you kind of saw back in, in week 16, what they're trying to do or what they will probably try to accomplish in this game, which is, Ben's going to just let it rip. He's going to throw the balls. It doesn't matter if his guys are covered, how open they are, whatever. He he's going to he's going to throw those 50-50 balls and hope that his guy can make a play or draw a penalty and that they can move the ball down the field, wear our guys out enough with with the run game with with Najee uh and, and uh the other fellow they have there in the backfield and and really try to just push the ball down the field that way. I, I don't think that they're really going to try to deviate from that plan too much and that, you know, bringing Juju back is going to give them some crazy boost. I, I just kind of think that right now that's kind of what their offense has to be with where Big Ben is at in his career. You know, he doesn't necessarily have the uh, the accuracy or the arm strength to to rip it like he used to. So they're going to kind of try to – that, that's going to be their pushing the ball down the field play as those 50-50 shots and, you know, hope your guy comes down with it or hope for a penalty. And then it's all going to be just kind of the, the dink and dunk stuff and hope that you can break a long one from there. Um, it, it, he's been getting the ball out super quick uh, because that offensive line is not the greatest, but they've settled a little bit uh, as of late. So that's going to be important to kind of disrupt that that there. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home Internet. But if their Internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone Internet, not home Internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. And uh, I, I think the Trey Turner thing, I think it's pretty common. I think he takes the middle practice off most weeks. So I, I don't think he's going to be out. I think he'll think he'll play. Uh, it, it's just kind of a veteran management type of thing. But uh, Najee will be interesting. We'll, we'll see how much he gets. He's been the workhorse for that team this year uh not not just running the ball but also you know catching passes out of the backfield and stuff so i i expect uh that that he'll be fine um they made him kind of same situation with with jarek mckinnon reading into the media availability right They, they made him available for the media to speak with them today i know he's questionable heading into the game he's gonna play it's just really a matter of how much and how effective he can be with that. Uh, I think he has like an elbow uh, injury. Um, so we'll, we'll just see, you know, if he, if he takes a couple hits during the game, he might have to dial him back a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a huge factor. Najee Harris is, like you said, the workhorse of that entire offense. Basically one of the biggest reasons why they're even in the playoffs. And uh, in, in, their, our, in our last matchup, he went 19 for 93 um, also had five for 17 in the air. So obviously a huge factor. A lot of that offense runs through him. But uh, you talked about, you know, obviously they're, they're, the Steelers O-line uh, regarded all season as not very great. Uh, they have two rookies starting, um, which is a, a very different situation than the Chiefs have where you have two rookies starting. But for the Chiefs, it's tending to work out, it seems like. For the Steelers, it's a little more dysfunctional. But, um, yeah, you, you, they've settled a little bit in the past few weeks and uh, have started to finally kind of get that rhythm together. But uh, what do you expect from the D-line, basically, to uh, to do to that uh, O-line? Obviously, Chris Jones is going to have another monster day, most likely. Melvin Ingram still healthy. Frank Clark's, I mean, we have, everyone's pretty much healthy on the uh, on the D-line, as well as Joshua Kando, I believe, who's also been uh, activated. I, I, any news on Kando and what he might contribute? Yeah, I, I honestly don't even think Kando will be active this week. Um, we'll we'll see. I just it, it depends on how the numbers all work out. Uh, I I do think they you know they want to bring him back. They drafted him for a reason, obviously, um, and he's good depth to have. Should they have an injury uh, on the defensive line, because they they just don't really have a lot of guys uh, on the practice squad who they seem to trust to bring up. But uh, I I think that. You know, you look at the defensive line, the interior has gotten so much better with uh, with Chris Jones coming back and, and playing that spot instead of playing the defensive end spot. Then obviously the, the addition of Melvin Ingram, I mean, it's just been huge uh, for, for the team uh, on multiple different levels. I mean, obviously that was a big catalyst for the Chiefs' ability to move Chris Jones back into the interior. But uh, if you look at, at – the pressure numbers kind of across the line, as soon as he got in, guys were getting 
a, a lot more pressures uh, more frequently because now, you know, teams have to really pick and choose who they're, who they're doubling. And Chris Jones is so good at, at beating the doubles. So when they choose to, to double Chris Jones, you have a lot of guys in one-on-one situations who are going to win those situations. Then it's possible that Chris Jones even wins his, his double team. So um, I, I just think that, that they're, they're performing as a whole, a whole lot better uh, with, with Melvin Ingram in the mix. And then I mean, he's going to be highly motivated heading into this game. I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean that all the talk coming out of Steelers media about how he hasn't made an impact or whatever, since he's been traded to Kansas city. Um, I, I mean, you, continuing to call him a hostage and not a volunteer. Right. Right. That's not a bear you want to poke. <laughs> yeah. It, it just feels like it's kind of gearing up to just a, a crazy performance from him. And um, I, I, I think back to like, I think it's the defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, was asked like, did did uh, Melvin Ingram feel that he was the you know the number two pass rusher to T.J. Watt or something like that right after Ingram got traded, and Butler was like, well you know we all think things about ourselves that aren't necessarily true <laughs> right it, it was it was some like really just kind of snide comment that that didn't sit well it didn't sit well with me I can't imagine that it sits well with him so. I think he's going to have um, a lot to prove and uh, it could be in for a big performance. I'm also looking at Frank Clark. I mean, he he's made his money in the postseason. I think he has like 11 career postseason sacks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, all time. Yeah. I, I mean, Jeez. a couple a couple more sacks and he could end up as like, you know, top three all time this postseason. That'd be, that'd be I, crazy. I, I mean, as uh, as up and down as his career in Kansas city has been, that's just uh, something to consider. And um, I mean, uh, he, he should be up to the task. I I have a feeling. Um, And, you know, this, this is probably the offensive line to try to get a a couple of freebies. If you're, uh, if you're the defensive line for Kansas city. I thought it was interesting what Chris Jones said today about Melvin Ingram and about next year, even and going forward with, because, Typically, when you get asked about a guy and his effect on the defense and it's about this year and whatnot, Chris took it a step further and even mentioned that, um, you know, they're going to get through this season. And, and then once the season ends, you know, he he thinks that, you know, Brett will do Brett Veach will do what he needs to do to try to make that a, a long term stay. He'd like to stay playing with him. He really likes playing with him. So on, on that same front, like when you hear Chris Jones say things like that, that that's your star that you just paid an egregious amount of money, basically telling you publicly, Hey, I'd really like you to keep this dude. If we can, I know that obviously GMs have jobs to do too, but what's a number or, or I guess a, a something, I don't even know if I want to make you try to make you put a term on it, but just where would you be comfortable at with him coming back in a year, two years, Maybe the year the year thing is easier than putting a dollar amount on it because the cap's yeah. going to change so much over the next three four years that it's right, hard to estimate right. dollars. I, I think it's going to be a, a multi year deal. I think at this point of his career, he just wants stability, right? I, I think when he got to to the Steelers and he had this vision for what what he thought he was going to be, and I think they sold him on that, which is why he ended up signing with them over a team like the Chiefs to begin with. And whatever they sold him on, it didn't come to fruition. Uh, and it wasn't the right fit for him for whatever reason. He decided he wanted out. Now you, you're 
joining this team um, and, and you've had such a positive impact, I think that years are going to be a little bit more important to him than, than the dollar amount at this point of his career. Obviously, money's still important, but if you can get in the ballpark, if you're Brett Veach, if you can give him that stability and say, hey, we want you to be a part of our organization for, you know, it, you know, two years, he'll be, what, 34, 35. So, you know, two, three years, maybe. Um, then I think that's something that you consider if you're Kansas City, especially if you're finding yourself in a situation, which they might this offseason, where you have to turn around and you have to cut Frank Clark because of his, his salary gap number. Um, so I, I think that, that that could end up becoming a priority, uh, bringing back Melvin Ingram. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I think the Chiefs in general, they do a better job than most teams of identifying the, the guys that they need to bring back in order to have success the following year. Um, and it's going to be interesting this year because they have a lot of players uh, who are hitting free agency again a lot of role players. And I think some of those guys will be back and, and some of them won't because they're going to try to keep around, you know, some of the bigger stars, some of the guys that, that, uh, that have really contributed to turning this defense and offense uh, into what it is today. Yeah. The Melvin Ingram situation, how it's been handled by both the Steelers and the chiefs is so interesting because, you know, the Steelers and Mike Tomlin a guy who very rarely says, you know, controversial things about players i guess and he's been i mean doubled tripled down at this point that uh you know melvin ingram wasn't great for their team and it's just yeah it's very interesting because as soon as you got to kc all the reviews were he's great and everyone loves him james palmer uh came out with a, a report saying how he and uh brendan daly the d-line coach basically just meshed right away and became you know obviously the, brendan daly probably sold a a similar thing that the Steelers did, but actually implemented it and let Melvin kind of do his thing on that D line. So it's super interesting because uh, you know we've seen him so for for many years in the you know in the AFC West with the Chargers, and there's never been a bad bad thing said about him. And uh, you know he's had he's been a top you know ten pass rusher for the past uh, or for a good amount of his career. So he's definitely had a couple bigger contracts. So yeah, at this point, I would definitely see him sacrificing a little money just to a. Uh, to play on a stable uh, championship-winning football team, because obviously with the Chargers they uh, had some success in the in the regular season, but that's about it. So um, I want to pivot to uh, the other side of the ball, uh, the Pittsburgh D-line. Um, T.J. Watt, he's obviously Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Uh, had a great season this year. Um, but versus the Chiefs uh, in our first matchup, he was pretty non-existent. And actually, and I believe I saw it somewhere in all three of his matchups that he's had versus the Chiefs, he's basically been shut down. Um, so what do you kind of think it is about, I don't know, the matchup that the Chiefs have versus TJ Watt that they <clears> might, be able to, uh, maybe might be able to contain him a little bit better? Yeah, I, I think that's just kind of fluky that it's happened that way in those couple matchups against the Chiefs. But, um, yeah, he's on a bit of a tear this year, and, uh, and that's probably an understatement. But um, – I think that the first time around he was, he was dinged up. He had an injury that he was dealing with and he just wasn't quite as effective. I know he was on the sideline, a couple snaps and what, what didn't play his full complement. but he's definitely healthy uh, heading into this game. And obviously he's motivated. He wants to get, you know, more sacks though. They won't go toward the official sack record being that it's no longer the regular season. He, he still he still got some motivation to get that, and obviously being his playoff game and one with 
some serious uh, implications should they should they win should they lose um i i think he's he's definitely going to have a little extra juice and really i mean i i think the plan for kansas city the first time around it was just getting the ball out pretty quick i i don't think that you know anything more than that uh, they didn't really devote kind of extra guys to his side. They had a couple of times where they had the tight end or uh, running back run kind of like a delay chip type of route uh, to, to kind of slow him up. But um, yeah, for the most part, they just, they just did a good job calling the right plays to get the ball out quickly. And Patrick Mahomes, his internal clock was moving. I mean, even on the other side, uh, they had, you know, Alex Highsmith, they, then they have Cam Hayward. They, they've got some really good defensive linemen, some pass rushers, some guys who can get after the quarterback. So having that internal clock knowing, hey, we got to get, get this ball out. I got to throw this or I'm going to get hit or something's going to happen. Uh, I think that was key. And, and then, you know, just, just again, the play calling. Uh, they did a good job of, you know, having some of that underneath stuff available uh, for Mahomes to throw, some, some quick passes, some curls, some dump offs. Um, just, just things that, that are, uh, easier high completion types of throws that, uh, you know, and you look Byron Pringle had a really good game, uh, that week. I know Daryl Williams had a really good game that week. So I I think it's not necessarily going to be up to, um, you know, the stars. I do think this week you got Travis Kelsey back in there. I think that'll help against TJ Watt quite a bit as well too, because, uh, you know, he, hang in as a blocker and those delayed routes seem to be working really well for him this season too do some things like they did against max crosby with him where they hit him with that chip block and then delay and he flips out and flat yep Uh, you talk about we talked about the d-line why are they so incredibly bad against the run with that group of defensive linemen because they are 32nd in like every major rushing category in the nfl I was going to say, even in that first game, Clyde was having a pretty good game until he got hurt. Right. Um, it, it's the linebackers. Uh, I mean, you can you, you just look at just look at what the, the Chiefs are dealing with now. I mean, they their run defense is kind of short up, and the big difference is they have Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton, who are performing really well <laughs> at the linebacker position. And, and the Steelers, they, they just haven't. They haven't had a, a solid linebacker since uh, – Oh, uh, what's his what's his name? Oh goodness. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking. Harrison. About. No. Uh, well, <laughs> that, that recent since James Harrison. Yeah. No, uh, Ryan Shazier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Shazier. Yeah, yeah. Who, who was injured had the the spinal injury. They just haven't been able uh, to find just the the right combination of guys there. Devin Bush is is all right, but I know he kind of took he's he's hit a bit of a wall this year. He hasn't um, looked the same since that injury. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, they need to find some more guys there and that's obviously not going to happen in this game uh, this season. But I think that's the the biggest thing that's, that's hurting the run game for them. Um, they, and they're, I think those, that group is just better suited towards the pass in general um, and, and getting after the quarterback versus, uh, you know, stiffening up and, and stopping the run. Yeah, no doubt. They're a, uh... You know, there are a lot of flashy names on there, but uh, as far as production-wise, the Steelers haven't really had it as far as the, the defense and stopping the run, which, uh, which could play a big factor. 
um, especially in the you know having the, the different the diverse running back group that we kind of have. It's uh, a lot of things that we can do to switch that up. But uh, quickly, I want to talk about something outside of the game that's uh, happened recently in the NFL. The uh, the All Pro teams were announced today, and uh, you know the Chiefs did not feature anyone on the uh, the first team All Pro list uh we had two second team guys kelsey travis kelsey and uh, chris jones um but yeah as a uh, you know a couple things obviously creed humphrey snubbed from first and second team i don't know how he didn't make either that uh patrick mahomes not getting a single vote for for the second team or first team that's kind of atrocious um what were your Tyre thoughts Hill. yeah yeah tyree kill didn't get anything i mean uh charles what are your thoughts what how does this happen and uh what what do you kind of think what do you, what do you think led to this all you know the chiefs not having anyone on the on the list this year right well all pro teams they're exceptionally difficult uh for for players to get on um just because it's it's out of the pool of of all the AFC all the NFC players so it's not like oh they're picking you know two centers from the you know AFC NFC for first team and two centers from the AFC NFC for, for second team. No, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're picking from, from all the AFC, all the NFC saying, you know, these guys are the best of the best. So, I mean, you really have to be widely considered the best of the best. And I think one thing that's always been reflected on the all pro teams is just how out of touch the, the general writing and broadcasting community is with, with the uh, importance of offensive line, the ones who are the elite. And I mean, we saw that throughout like, you know, um, Mitchell Schwartz throughout his career. Um, a, a lot of great players, a lot of great offensive linemen just really never saw that type of recognition. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it, it like I said, it's tough to get votes. The one that that really vexes me though is uh, is Patrick Mahomes. I know that, I know, I absolutely know that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are having great seasons. Um, I'll, I'll spoiler alert for the Pro Football Writers Association awards. Um, I I voted for Tom Brady for MVP. There you go. So, but but anyhow, breaking, uh, news. <laughs> breaking news, but. I understand that they're having great seasons. It's amazing what Brady's doing at 44 years old. Uh, Rogers has been phenomenal this season, but you just can't, you can't tell me that there's not one person out of those 50 that, that doesn't think that that Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in football. That, that just blows my mind. Uh, how, how the narrative surrounding him has changed just over a couple of fluke interceptions earlier this season, because he's still been the same quarterback and has been, absolutely phenomenal and pivotal in the team kind of turning this season around. Um, I, I just, uh, that one blows my mind and I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that he's aware of it. <laughs> in fact, I know that he's yeah. aware of it. So that that's going to be um, some, you know, the, the meme of him writing in his notebook or whatever, that's going to be uh that's in his notebook right now. So he's going to be, he's going to be motivated. I mean, we saw how he came out, and he was kind of dealing these past uh, past couple of games here, so I think uh, I think he's going to come out and have a good one against the Steelers on Sunday. Petty Pat is uh, is a dangerous person to to create, and it seems like when they do this stuff with the NFL Top 100 list, with the Pro Bowl votes, with the All Pro teams, when they 
when they, when you do these rankings and these lists and, and you leave him off or you forget about it. And we talked about this on the last episode we did. It's not just him at this point. It's kind of infected the whole organization. Um, the, the petty, the, and it's not even just the organization. The city seems to have quite a bit of that. The kingdom itself, <laughs> we're all on social media. We all see every day what, yeah. what this fan base is, has, is like now. Um, giving them bulletin board material, whether you intend it to be bulletin board material or not, isn't exactly a recipe I would suggest for teams playing against this franchise and this team. Um, the Creed Humphrey thing is extraordinarily frustrating because he's been widely regarded as the best center in football all season. And now he's been snubbed from the pro bowl and from the all pro team. Um, and I get that he's a rookie. Uh, I really like Jason Kelsey. I think he's an awesome dude. He's obviously Travis's brother. That's awesome. He was great this year. Corey Lindsley getting second team over Creed is um, it's something. Um, I won vote too. That's what it really is. Creed had well, 10, and it's not even the number of votes. It's like, the fact that when when you put those two organizations up against one another, yeah. one of those individuals got absolutely abused by another guy that's on the second team All Pro at the defensive tackle position pretty much routinely throughout those games while the other side of the football, he didn't struggle with the guys that are on that other. So it's, it's hard for me with the Creed thing, especially, like I said, as good as he's been as a rookie even, and I know he's a rookie and that's fine and whatnot, but to give him literally nothing of all the awards available to him this year, which he's not going to get any of them. He's not going to get offensive rookie of the year because the Jamar Chase thing, he's was, like I said, snubbed from the pro bowl, snubbed from the all pro that's, that's the part that's as probably more frustrating than anything for me um, because well, I'm actually okay with them not doing any, not giving Pat any votes. Go ahead. Piss him off. I, I, I enjoy that because you're not going to enjoy it when you see him later on. Um, I will tell you the one thing he's going to get this year. He's a shoe in for the Mackley Hill award. The team is going to recognize him. Yeah. Almost sure. undoubtedly. I probably already have a draft of that somewhere on chiefs wire, but um <laughs> Yeah, it, he, I mean, he's been phenomenal. What what I, what more could he have done is the question to get an all-pro vote, and the answer is nothing. Um, I mean, I spoke about it one time, I think, on the Chiefs Wire podcast. Um, you know, as an offensive lineman, you have to do something extraordinarily memorable to stand out and to get recognition, um, you know, uh, among the crowd. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we've never seen an offensive lineman win offensive player of the year, because, you know, they're not guys who are catching, you know, freak passes over somebody's head or whatever. And, and it's crazy to me because I'm like, I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I love watching some offensive line film, oh, watching yeah. these guys throw each other around. But I mean, and he's had some of those highlights, but you know, again, it's got to be something that that catches catches the eye of everyone. That's like super memorable, and and you know, it's hard to do as an as an offensive lineman. Yeah, I've said it this year that 
just you know watching the complete overhaul of the o-line room has really really made me like enjoy watching o-line film again just seeing i like i never was before this season and then all of a sudden we have a really good o-line it's uh it's fun to watch the film so yeah creed not getting any of those awards we don't still there's not like an all rookie team an official all rookie team anymore i don't think i know pff does one and a couple other things do one so at least we'll get a couple of those honors uh for all rookie team but yeah it's definitely a shame that he's not getting honored in some way uh, for this season because he's played phenomenally, especially for a rookie. So I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh, he's only committed four penalties the entire season. Um, how many sacks? Anybody know? If he actually was officially credited with giving up? I'm not sure. Yeah. Two, two, two three. Because I know at one many. point we were like 10 weeks into the season and he hadn't given up a sack. Yeah, we're yeah. like a pressure, I think, according to PFF. So I know, I know he's PFF's top grade center. So if that's... Any kind and of has brand. been all year. Yeah, so I know PFF's not the most, you know, highly regarded thing, but that's saying something for sure. So, like I said, we talk about it on this show all the time with PFF. You, there's context that matters, and there's there's not many other places that actually pay attention and grade offensive line play or do anything with offensive line play. So it's one of the only places that you can get offensive line kind of rankings and things for that nature. There's not a lot of places that do it, and the other part of it is. Brandon Thorne, um, Brian Baldinger, those guys, uh, Duke Manyweather, these guys that break down and some of them teach offensive linemen when they're sitting there telling you, hey, that's the best dude at the position and he has been all year. For me, it's really hard for 50 writers from the AP to, to swing and miss that hard. So it's it's really frustrating to watch from that perspective, but. Yeah, you know, what grinds my gears. I'm sure that, that uh, Therese Paler would have had a vote and I'm sure that he would have voted for some of these guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he always seemed to be a, a bit of a voice of reason. Uh, you know, when it, when it came to getting these guys, their due credit. Yeah. And speaking of Therese for sure. Yeah. RIP Therese. He was a, he was the best. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, voices of reason, uh, there's some, there's a press conference uh, that big Ben had uh, a couple of days ago where uh, he came out and said that, uh, yeah, we have no chance guys. We're just going to go out there and have, have some fun and hope, uh, you know, we're 20 point underdogs against the best team in the AFC. We don't have a chance. Um, I found that comment absolutely hilarious from Big Ben. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, I, I understand what he's saying. I understand the, the sportsmanship behind it and all that. But, um, yeah, that comment and then uh, Andy Reid coming out and saying that the, you know, the Steelers were a very good football team and all this stuff. It's uh, just the back and forth between between the teams beforehand there is uh, is very interesting to see. I've never heard a starting quarterback say, yeah, we have no chance going into the game. We're just going to have some fun. Well, and then Najee seeing the quote, posting it on his IG with the uh, caption, which I'll let you guys go find on the internet. I'm not remotely going to be the one to repeat that here. I didn't um, see that. Wow. And then Deontay Johnson's comments yesterday. It's, it's, and then somebody from the Chiefs today called the Steelers a championship football team, which we are throwing praise back and forth in some of these instances. Like, what? I know that the Roethlisberger thing was tongue in cheek for the most part. It's that's the, it's the West Welker making stupid t-shirts about how the Patriots on their two year, three year run of being an absolute dynasty at that point were underdogs and no one believed in them is what is, is that what Ben's doing there? Like that's the whole, I know that's kind of where he was going with it, but like, 
are you just leaving yourself two way outs or what's going on with this? I personally think that, that he kind of really believes that mindset of just, you know, it, it, you know, they got their butts whooped the first time. I, I think it, in some ways they, they probably feel themselves that they don't have a chance because of how poorly they played in that first one. They know they're capable of playing better. Um, and I think their thoughts on how to fix it is to go out there, play loose, have fun, no expectations attached to it because we're going to lose. <laughs> right. And maybe just maybe they pull off a miracle. And, and I mean, I think it's a good strategy. I've been kind of saying it all week that they're going to go out there and just play and hope for the best. And, you know, a few bad penalties, a few drops, a few fumbles go their way. And next thing you know, maybe they're in the game. So I, I don't think it's, a, um, it's too crazy at all for, for him to be thinking that way when, you know, things, things have turned for this Chiefs team on a dime before like that. Uh, and can, you know, I mean, they've proven this year that they are beatable. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just think um, if they don't go into it with the right mindset, if they haven't been preparing as they should be preparing this week, if they haven't been treating it, you know, the way that Andy Reid kind of said it, he was like, hey, this, this team's playing like a one seed. They're not treating it like they're going up against the one seed this week. They're going to lose. Yeah, I think it's definitely the right mindset for a Big Ben to have. You know, potentially, probably his last game ever. Uh, you know, I think they're probably going to empty the playbook and just, you know, go out there and, like you said, just have fun and play loose. And that can, I mean, that can be deadly sometimes, you know. He's on week three of his retirement tour at this point. <laughs> well, we're talking about, you know, we're not we're talking about professional athletes. And as much as, you know, the, the game against, the, the first game against the Steelers is fresh in everybody's mind, you know, that was, that game went, you know, pretty well as as the Chiefs would want it to, right? In terms of you know, probably one of the more complete games they've played all season, and and that's great. And hopefully you get that same performance. But the the reality is, is the NFL is you know there's a lot of parity in this league. These are you know world class athletes. These are guys who take it seriously, and and there are different you know it, there's there's a very big mental aspect of the game. And as Charles said, like you know, one of the, especially in a playoff environment, a team that can come in and play loose and, and play with this, you know, attitude of we've got nothing to lose in the world to gain. Um, you know, like it, if the Chiefs beat the Steelers, yeah, that's what's expected to happen, right? And by by all means, if the Steelers beat the Chiefs, it's almost like winning the Super Bowl for them, right? Like that's Honestly. that's a big victory for them, you know, mentally. And so, that's where you get into kind of that, that trap mentality you guys were just alluding to where if the chiefs walk in going like, Hey, yeah, we got this, you know um, you, you, especially in, in a playoff environment, you have to stay hungry and you have to stay kind of humble as, you know, and so I think that there is a little bit of a, almost a mind game there for, you know, the, the Steelers. And, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I do agree that I think that that's Ben's genuine attitude of, well, they expect us to lose. So, you know, what's, what's the, you know, what do we have to lose? Yeah, right. Just leave it all like, out on the field. basically. Yeah. 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 Just heave it out. Yeah. Go out. And, and so that I expect them to be more competitive than the, the game before. Um, honestly. Yeah. When I, when I saw those comments, I, 
like after just thinking about it, I was like, yeah, that makes me a little bit nervous. You know, I, I would have preferred him just to give the standard, like, you know, oh yeah, they're a good team. We'll go out there and do our best. You know, hopefully it works out for us. But for him to say something so kind of uh, off the regular scripted, you know, um, and, and for his team to kind of rally around that, like that's a kind of a, yeah, that's a positive thing for for the Steelers. Again, you're, you're saying, yeah, no, one really thinks we have a chance, but in the NFL, like you always have a puncher's chance. And if you go in with that mentality of, I mean, and we, the chiefs have been on the other side of that, you know, uh, have been in that, you know, have been the underdogs before who have, who have upset teams like new England and stuff in the regular season, or, um, you know, I was, um, I, you know, I live in Illinois and there's a lot of bears fans here, but there's also a lot of Packers fans here. And so, you know, I was thinking back several years ago is when the, you know, the Packers, had a really good season. And I think the chiefs were their only regular season loss that year. And the chiefs were awful that year. Probably like the 2012 year where they yeah. were 14. Yes. So that like, you know, again, it's the NFL. If, if you're there, you, you have a puncher's chance and you see that yeah. all the time. Um, Last time Pittsburgh won the Super Bowl, I think they were the, the bottom seed in the AFC. So yeah. And, and it's like a lot harder that year. Yeah. It's a lot harder for teams to pull that off. Um, you know, they also had, well, that was the year Jerome Bettis was retiring. So they were, you know, another retirement tour. Yeah. So not, yeah. not something um, necessarily new. And, and Ben Roethlisberger was on that team, but um, yeah, I really do just think like the chiefs have to come in and take it seriously. And, you know, again, both teams are a little bit more healthy, have more of their, their bigger name players ready to go for the matchup. I, again, on paper, I'm like, yeah, give me the chiefs you know, every day of the week, excuse me, every day of the week. But that mentality of what do we have to lose? Absolutely nothing. And like, so let's just go for it. Can be really dangerous, um, you know, in that situation for, for the Chiefs. I guess where I'm at with that is my thing is one, Deontay Johnson came out yesterday. and was like, yeah, well, when we win, I don't want anybody on the bandwagon. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. But your quarterback the day before said you guys have no chance to win. And you're just going to come out, have fun, and play, play free. So there's some contradicting back and forth there between the two of them. That's fine. Um, this is the time of the year that this franchise, and when I say this franchise, Kansas City at this point, this is what they want. This is what they look for. They've kind of made that clear um, in some of their comments and stuff throughout the last few years. Like this is they know where they're going to be judged. They know, look, man, the regular season is the regular season. We need to win the division. We need to take care of business as best we can. But our hay is made in in the playoffs. And that kind of team that's been there, has done this, knows the grind, knows the road. Yes, this is an extra game than they've played in the last couple of years because there used to be a buy for the one and two seed instead of just the one seed. Um, That team – to me, especially when you're talking about eventually you got to look at the horses in the barn and there are far more horses in the chief's barn than there are in the Steelers barn when it, when it comes down to it. So, and I expect the Steelers to come out empty the playbook. I expect them to come out. uh, There's going to be trick plays. I expect them to go for it on fourth down in some more scenarios than they probably would in a normal situation. Um, I don't anticipate Tomlin being conservative. He's a heck of a coach. Mike Tomlin is (laughs) He's a damn good football coach. There's, very, there's very no good. way around it. Uh, yeah. He's never had a losing season ever in his entire tenure. And one of the most storied franchises the league has, they've had three coaches in like 50 years, like Chuck Knoll, um, 
Bill Cowher and him. Like, that's it. Like, you don't, it's not just, an, it's not, it's not a coincidence. So um, I get all that. My thing is, if the Chiefs come out and even play a B-plus game, unless the Steelers play an A plus, 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 plus game, I don't think it's enough to beat this Chiefs team. Yeah, Will they, like, could they maybe cover the 12 and a half, 13 point spread that they've been handed by, the, by Vegas? Yeah. If that's how that scenario plays out, they could. Um, I just, at this point, if Kansas city comes out and plays their game, there's, there's no, there's no way the Steelers can beat them. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's uh, it's going to be a good game, I think, no matter what. I think uh, it'll be enjoyable for Chiefs fans, hopefully. Um, nothing crazy happens. Charles, before we get you out of here, just, uh, w- you know, I won't make you predict the actual score, but wh- how do you see the, the outcome of this game ending up? Uh, I'll give a score prediction. Okay. I, I've i been pretty, and uh, in, in our little preview with Steelers Wire, uh, I, I said that, Chiefs are going to win 37 to 20. I feel like they'll probably like pull away kind of later in the game. I mean, it'll be pretty close early on. And then it's going to get to the point where, hey, can this Steelers offense keep up with the Chiefs offense? And I don't think they can. I, I don't think the Steelers defense outside of uh, a couple pieces there, the, the safety they traded for from, from Miami and then TJ Watt. I don't think, I don't think they can can stop and slow down the weapons, especially with Travis Kelsey back out there. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think one thing that, that people are overlooking too, the arrowhead advantage is going to be a big time thing for, for the KC offense, uh, excuse me, KC defense uh, this, this week. Uh, I know that they got a taste of it in week 16, but, Playoff Arrowhead and and regular season last week of the regular season Arrowhead totally different environments. Oh, yeah. It's it's going to be nuts out there, and uh, you know I think uh, if that offensive line and and, uh, and Big Ben aren't on the same page, they're going to have a lot of false starts and miscues and, and issues, uh, and the Chiefs are going to be able to capitalize on that. Uh, that sounds good to me. Charles brings up a, a very good point and. That's just something that uh, while there's not a lot of players that were on that team the last time the Chiefs and the Steelers saw themselves in the saw each other in the playoffs, the fan base, there's a lot of Chiefs fans that were um, around the last time the Steelers and Chiefs faced off. And for those of you that may be newer and don't remember, that was the Eric Fisher holding penalty call um, and the game where we lost in a bunch of field goals in arrow in a situation where, this fan base, they still don't like Pittsburgh a lot because of that um, and a certain referee because of it. But we'll, we'll leave his name out of it. Um, he's not refing this week. <laughs> uh-uh. No, no, he's not. We talked about that, I think, on Wednesday. Um, they actually got uh, one of the officiating crews with one of the fewer amount of penalties called in the NFL this year. I think the second fewest with that crew. Well, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting because you, the crew – the, the ref, yes, but the crew is an all-star crew. They do the all-star crews for uh, yes, the playoffs. Yes, every, every year in the playoffs, these all-star crews are always so reliable. Yeah, um, so, the Chiefs so will we'll test see how out. that changes things. Yeah, the Chiefs will definitely <laughs> give them a good test, I think. I think yep. the, the refs really have a fascination with the Chiefs, which is uh, not a great thing, I don't think. But So I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go what I went. I, I think I went last time they played. I'm going to go 38-17. I don't, I don't see it being much more much different. Um, 
there's just not a lot that you can do. Like the Steelers are going to play free and loose and all that. But as I said earlier, you know, at the end of the day, that the horses in the barn make a difference. And they played that last game without Travis Kelsey and Tyreek played like two snaps. They had two catches. He had like 15 snaps. Yeah. And they didn't have Nick Bolton and they were using Elliot Fry as a kicker. And I get this team is healthy minus Clyde for the most part and maybe Daryl a little. Um, even with TJ Watt being back to himself, you know, they both were missing all pro level players that are now both back on the field on the opposite, on the opposite sides of the ball. So uh, give me the chiefs 38, 17, they cover and, and they take care of business and move on to play whoever it is that comes out of the rest of whatever this AFC is going to be this wildcard weekend, which wildcard is going to be wild in, in, in a true definition. I think super wildcard. Yeah. Yes. Super wild. I'm, I really think that this is going to be a stressful game for Chiefs Kingdom. I think it'll be a fun game, and I think at the end, the Chiefs will come out on top. I'm hopeful. Um, I kind of expect, again, that mentality of what do we have to lose. So I expect some some kind of offensive output from the Steelers that we didn't see in that first game. Um, now, I will also say that first game, the defense was absolutely swarming, and we may end up in a situation where it's closer to like what Kyle said but I'm just kind of anticipating maybe something closer to the, uh, I know we don't want to talk about the Bengals game, but you know, a little bit more back and forth um, with the chiefs pulling away later. Um, so I, I'm going to go with, you know, um, like 35, 28 chiefs, something somewhere in that range. I think it'll be, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a 10 point um, or a full 10 point game, but um, you know, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a, a little bit more fight than we saw in the, what was it, 33 to 3 um, a couple weeks ago. 36 to 10 or 36 to 3. Yeah, I think they yeah. did get a garbage time touchdown at the end there. Did they, they get a touchdown? They scored on Maybe. Dorian O'Daniel and uh, DiCaprio. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah Mason, old Mason Rudolph, which uh, to me. That's... No, ben, I think Ben got the touchdown for that drive. No, I'm pretty. Uh, it might have been Mason. I think Mason was in at that point. Uh, yeah. Steve. Uh, Jason Anderson on 810 today did a whole thing where the, the defense that was out there when they scored that touchdown was still Ben Roethlisberger, but it was the tackles were made by uh, DiCaprio Boodle, Ben Neiman, uh, Derek Naughty, and uh, Dorian O'Daniel. And it took him 16 plays to score that touchdown still with that group in. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously the Steelers just uh, lacking offensive production. I'm going to go uh, 35 to 14. I think the Chiefs cover pretty handily here um and they might the Steelers might pull around near the end and get another garbage time touchdown or field goal or something like that but um I unlike Tom don't really anticipate a stressful game but it's the playoffs so who knows I guess there's just gonna be a, an added level of stress just because it's the playoffs and you know if you do lose that game it's over so it's not like the Bengals where you know that's a it's a crushing loss, but at least it's not over. So, uh, Charles, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. If you could plug uh, where everyone can find you and your content and everything like that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, you guys can visit the website, chiefswire.usatoday.com. Follow me on Twitter, at uh, goldmctnfl. Also uh, run the Chiefswire Twitter account, at the Chiefswire, the one that's verified, not the one that's floating around out there that's not and uh yeah thank you guys so much for for having me on this was fun we're gonna have to do it again we'll hold you to that for sure having you on we appreciate it 
Yep. So that'll be it for this episode. Thank you all for listening in. Be sure to tune in at Kingdom Says Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys next week after a, a hopeful playoff win. See ya. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.